All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome here to the Snake Sports Talk Show. We are live in the 702 in Las Vegas, wherever and however you may be watching and listening today. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe, hit the bell button to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the spot, the Spotlight Sports Network and the Snake Sports Talk Show. And follow me on Spotify as well for all of my latest podcast episodes. I'm actually going to be getting back into my podcast shows soon. Um, in fact, I might actually do something uh, tomorrow. So what I will be planning to do is more of like an after show type podcast, something to where I can summarize, review all of you know the past weekend shows and just kind of give everybody an outlook at what I've been you know thoroughly looking at all throughout the weekend. And what were some things that kind of pointed out to me throughout the week? So I think it would be great. I think it would be a great start from there because uh, I know it had been a long time. I, I mean, I think last time that I had checked, it was only about 15 episodes in or so. And that was about it. And never really kind of, you know, put another episode out again. But that all things like that are going to change. So I'm really happy and I'm really excited about it. Um Hope you all are having a great weekend. I know for sure yesterday was such a great day. Um, celebrated my mother's 50th birthday as she has made it to the halfway point. Um, and it was a lot of fun. A lot of lots and lots of fun. You know, great times with great friends. And by the way, I mean, the tacos were amazing. We had a taco truck that was there uh, yesterday and had a lot of really, really good stuff. I mean, it was carne asada marinated chicken, al pastor, all of the just the, the good, good stuff. Um, it was all so delicious and so great. Um, so, I, I mean, I've got somewhat of a packed show here today. Um, there's a lot that I'm going to be kind of breaking down and talking about here today, but I just wanted to end up shifting to this here uh, because we've been talking so much about the NFL and we have no idea. I mean, we're in times of uncertainty, as we already are, as you could tell from society. Um, we're just not sure how things are going to be, how things are going to be panning out, especially for the NFL. Now, the good thing is, is that the facilities, they're sanitizing them, they're cleaning them, and they're trying to get them all prepared for the players, um, when the time comes up. Now, there've been a lot of questions because of the fact of number one, the hall of fame game between, um, the Steelers and the Cowboys. That's a huge drop because two most historic franchises. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys, it would have been a lot of generated revenue, especially even if we could have gotten fans in the stands, all that money's lost. It was actually going to be such a great day for Canton, Ohio, with the fact that two premier franchises who have been around for years playing in the Hall of Fame game, I mean, the, st the stadium would have been packed. But unfortunately, you know, it, it just didn't pan out that way, and... That's kind of just one thing we 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 just kind of look at from there. It's it's sad and unfortunate, but at the same time, I mean, this is for the protection for the players and staffs and trainers and so many others within the organizations. So it, it, it is in fact a, a tough hurdle, and I think in a way it, it, it's it's just kind of it's just one of those things. It's a difficult obstacle, and that's something that the NFL is willing to take head on. I mean, they're not afraid of the challenge. Uh, 
but at the same time, you know, they're getting facilities prepped up. Lots of these players. Now, we've been seeing all over. I mean, you've been seeing on social media every day. Players working out on their own, keeping themselves healthy, fit, and active until the season starts up. That was with every sport as well. So one thing that I wanted to talk about here, because I think all of us have finally come to the conclusion of this, but know this, that the season, this next up-and-coming NFL season, if we have it, there's no excuses. I've been saying this now for months. After free agency, after the draft, after everything has been prepped up, they're ready to go, there's no excuses for most teams. Outside of Jacksonville and outside of Detroit and a lot of other or, and a couple of other organizations that we we know we know they're not going to perform well. They're in a rebuilding state. But some of these, uh, but most of all these other organizations, there are no excuses for this next up and coming season. You've got weapons, you've got really good defenses, real good head coaches. There are some I, I have question marks on. I have no idea what their performance is going to be like. But I will say this, and I'm paying attention more to the NFC North because there are a few things that pop up. As I've said before, because I had talked about Minnesota and about Dalvin Cook at one point, saying, Dalvin Cook, I think he needs to play one more year in order for an, a, a new contract to come up. Because he had been injured all his rookie season, comes back the next year, and he has a hell of a year. Very, very productive. I mean, you can ask a lot of fantasy football owners, myself included. He had a productive year. Minnesota got rid of a lot of defensive players but they still managed to at least keep the good pieces. They still kept the more impactful pieces in their defensive roster. But they are revamping. It doesn't seem like they've lost a lot. Sure, they traded away Stefan Diggs, but they ended up uh, drafting Justin Jefferson. So they got themselves another really good secondary wide receiver next to Adam Thielen. The other thing of it is, the Chicago Bears, and we know with the situations that they're dealing with, and from the looks of it, Matt Nagy looks confident at what he has in his roster. He looks confident. <clears throat> We're not sure exactly how Mitch Trubisky is going to produce for next year, but we know bringing in a Nick Foles, and look, it's not that big of an impact, but it is something that's going to push Mitch Trubisky to his limit, which it should He's already been in the league long enough. And this is something where it's no excuses for Mitch Trubisky. He's got weapons. He's got protection, especially on offensive line and a couple of real good blocking tight ends. This is something now that the Chicago Bears are trying to improve on. And the other part of this is their defense. Their defense got stacked again. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, the secondaries have also the secondaries have also upgraded. And this is something where Chicago, I mean, their defense, they're ready to play. And not even going to mention about Detroit because we already kind of know the, the position that Detroit is going to be in. So the only team that I could tell you with no excuses would be the Green Bay Packers. 
and I have been saying this now for the last couple weeks, couple months, you can kind of see the changes in Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of people, this is what I've been hearing all throughout the week. What the Green Bay Packers failed to do in the time that they have Aaron Rodgers. Out of all the time that Aaron Rodgers has been a part of this Green Bay organization, one Super Bowl, okay, one Super Bowl, a few playoff wins, and not much else really Green Bay could do. Not much else that could that could keep Green Bay on the radar, on the map of teams that are tough in the playoffs, they're tough in the season, and could make a run at the Super Bowl. There have been a lot of complications when it came to Green Bay. Now, a lot of people will say, well, he doesn't have a secondary receiver. Well, he does have Devontae Adams, and I think he's a very impactful wide receiver. He also does have a run game in Aaron Jones. We saw that last year. I can't believe how many times people have left Aaron Jones out of the picture, but he has been impactful in the offense. The only thing that Green Bay would concerns me because they got rid of a couple of their linebacking cores. And in a way, that doesn't really look good. Blake Martinez was a hell of an impact when it came to the linebacker position because they needed that. And I thought the defense played real well until to the last of its extent. Not saying it fell apart, but it just got to the point where they, they looked toasted. I mean, you've seen the game against San Francisco. You lose to San Francisco twice, but that's because San Francisco is hyper-athletic. Kyle Shanahan putting this whole defensive core together. I mean, San Francisco knows how to revamp, and they know how to re-energize that defense. And Robert Sella, the defensive coordinator, knows how to set this whole thing up. So when you look at some of these teams, I mean, I look at what Green Bay against all these other NFC teams. I mean, San Francisco, we know, is a tough team. Seattle is getting themselves to being a tough team again. Arizona, I think, is going to be surprising to watch. Now you've got Tampa Bay. You've got New Orleans. Parts of me will say Carolina. And then you also have um, Chicago's defense getting better. Minnesota, I think they'll be a 10-6 and six team. Maybe nine and seven, but the team, but you know, they, they, they're not stopping themselves short. They got some real good pieces, whether it was in free agency or it was in the draft. Minnesota did this right. But, and even in the NFC East, Philadelphia's got wide receivers, Philadelphia's got talent. Dallas is a question mark. I said this yesterday. Dallas, I think, will go eight and eight. I would be lucky enough to see them go 10 and 6 or 9 and 7. But I think they're going to be an 8 and 18 because I think there's an awful lot of uncertainties. But in Green Bay's position because you have to look at Aaron Rodgers in the last 2 years. All Aaron has been doing is protecting his brand, protecting his legacy. He's led the league in throwaways in the past 2 years. 2 years in a row. He's led the league in throwaways. Why? His passer rating. Everybody looks at him as one of the best passer rating quarterbacks in the league. But the problem of it is when you play the game safe, 
sometimes it pans out, sometimes it really doesn't. Okay, because in the middle of those games, when you need an impactful play, you got to sling it. Patrick Mahomes is smart, but he also knows when and when not to sling it. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, real fast, young player, knows how to move his legs. He knows when to run out the pocket, get first downs, and when he knows when not to and play small play. Play a little bit of small football from there. Throw to tight ends, throw screens to running backs, and even throw to wide receivers throw, you know, in slant routes. Josh Allen. Everybody low-balled Josh Allen by the time he came out of Wyoming because they weren't sure how productive he would be in the NFL. But Josh Allen now has he now has a new favorite target in Stefan Diggs. I feel like we're going to see an awful lot of really good plays out of Buffalo this year. But that is the point where you take a risk. And you know what the other thing that bothers me too is that people people now start to look at Tom Brady and they start to think, I don't think he's got much, I don't think he's got much in the tank in his arm. What? Tom Brady didn't turn into a systematic quarterback. He's not a systematic quarterback. He still has he still has gas in that tank, especially for him to throw good plays. I mean, think about it. His favorite target has always been Julian Edelman. The only unfortunate is New England didn't give him another real good wide receiver to throw over the top. But now all that's changed since coming to Tampa. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, he's got an awful lot of weapons that he could throw over the top at. Don't be surprised if Tom Brady comes out the same way that Peyton did in, De in Denver. That's always been my feeling. But getting back to Aaron Rodgers is that Green Bay, over the years, the way that they've treated this whole thing, they didn't really give so much for Aaron Rodgers because they felt like, oh, he's the golden child. He's he's the one that, um, you know, he, he knows how to sling it, knows how to throw deep balls. We just got to give him a wide receiver, and then we'll, we'll be good. It's not really enough, if you think about it. You remember the last time when they won the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, they had a hell of a secondary. Charles Woodson, Tari Bigby, A.J. Hawk, Clay Matthews, B.J. Raji. They had a real, real good defense. It was a good defense. And the following year, they went 15-1. and one. And then all of that just kind of fell short. Green Bay is at a point. This is why, why would everybody start freaking out about the fact that they went and drafted up for Jordan Love? There was a reason behind that. It wasn't just because of Aaron Rodgers, a little bit of that snarkiness. It's not. And that does happen over time the older you get. But at this point, Green Bay, they have a second chance at doing the right thing from here. Because once Aaron Rodgers is gone, 
and he's done. You've got Jordan Love, who I hope that there was a reason why they drafted up for him. Because if it got to a point where they where, where they treated Jordan Love the same way that they would treat Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay will never figure this out. Think about it. Only one quarterback in Green Bay's history, Bart Starr, won two Super Bowls back-to-backs. Favre had won one. Aaron Rodgers had won one. There were analysts that says that Jordan Love might win two. But I'll believe it when I see it. Because ultimately, it isn't just about the quarterback you have. There's a lot more to it. Yes, you got to have a franchise quarterback that builds your franchise. But at the same time, they gave up their defensive core and their linebackers. A um, couple of guys got injured. A couple of guys got injured on the offensive side. And that's what left Green Bay exposed. I mean, you've seen it twice. You face against San Francisco, lost. This was a 9-7 and team last year that went 13-3. and I really found it hard to believe that this team would be 13-3. Because even they go to other places, like they go to Los Angeles against the Chargers. And that was a rough day for Aaron. Because that whole defensive front line with Joey Bosa, what they were not having it. They're shutting Aaron Rodgers down. That's the difficult part. Now, we'll see exactly how Mike McCarthy favors out in Dallas if he elevates Dak Prescott. Because I think at the end of the day, we don't really give Mike McCarthy all that much credit because we were stuck with the decision of who was the more impactful in Green Bay, the coach or the player? Which one? And a lot of people all favored Aaron Rodgers. And now that Mike McCarthy is in Dallas, lots of things are bound to change. And I think that is something that we'll see if we do have a season, because this is where it, the lines meet. That if Mike McCarthy turns this organization around in Dallas, and Dallas makes the playoffs, they were able to beat Philadelphia twice, New York twice. I'm sure they'll definitely beat Washington twice because... I mean, you have a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, but I have no idea how impactful he'll be. And then you have Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers can get back to where he was before, you know, stop trying to protect your legacy. Okay, the passer rating isn't really all that unless you're making risky throws, throws that may potentially get you back in the game. Patrick Mahomes is not afraid of that. Tom Brady's not afraid of that. Drew Brees isn't even afraid of that. It just comes over time. But that is something that I think Green Bay, if we've thought of this over the years, this is what they've turned out to be. That's why I think Green Bay might go 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. I'd be surprised if they go 9-7. and seven. But there are a couple of real good competition teams out there I just don't think right now, after everything that Green Bay has built up, that they're really prepared for. Um, let me just say this. <clears throat> because I did end up talking a little bit about this sports bubble. 
you know, and a lot of people had their insights. Everybody kind of had their their thoughts on this. Um, and again, I think the NBA, I think honestly, the NBA, they are going to have a lot of difficult challenges. I think they're going to have a lot of difficult challenges. If I look at all the sports that are potentially making their comebacks. Now, hockey, on the other hand, you've got protective gear. You're behind like gl glass walls. You also wear visors and protective gear. And Bauer came out with something that is a protective face shield for all the players, for all of the officials, and kind of keeps kind of keeps the coach uh, under accountability. Now, there are a lot of challenges to this. The NFL is going to have a challenge because, think about it this way. And it was funny. I was having a conversation with a real good friend of mine. And the one concern that I have are with the offensive linemen because they're close to each other. They make contacts. They either block or they either bust through the line and try to get to the quarterback. And, I, I mean, that's a tough challenge. It's a tough challenge to deal with now that we know that we're dealing with COVID. Baseball, on the other hand, the only time you get concern is unless if you're behind the batter's box. And that's because you have the umpire, you have the catcher, and you also have the batter in the box. Now, the catcher, I know, has protective gear. So does the umpire in some ways. But, <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm not sure how this might pan out. I think baseball will be fine because they... They give themselves certain, you know, certain amount of feet, especially in the positions they play. The NFL, yes, there's contact involved, but they are in protective padding. They do have some type of equipment that protects them. Hockey, same exact thing. But basketball, I think, is going to be a tough challenge. And I'd like to see how they pan this out. Now, the facilities have been sanitized and they've been cleaned up. <clears throat> and Players are almost ready to report to their facilities. <clears throat> but in this sense, you have to think about how basketball is. It's very conditional. It's a lot of running. You know, it increases your heart rate, increases your stamina. And a lots of these players you see, you watch. I mean, LeBron James, you know, he lost some weight from just the previous year to be a little bit more agile, a little bit more fit. I mean, going into a 17th season, you, you had to cut back some. But the other thing that the NBA would deal with is think about it. You've got players, they're all touching the same ball. And the other thing of it is, too, when it comes to defenses, I mean, you look at how close they are. You look at how close they are. And for four quarters, they're running back and forth on the court they're probably already sweating. They're working their tails off. And they're breathing at each other's faces. Anytime that it's it's a it's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And that's anywhere on the court. And that's where I think it it, 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 it I just think it's going to be an interesting challenge for the NBA to go to come across. Because Adam Silver, I mean Adam Silver's been playing this thing off really really well all throughout this COVID. But being prepared for a situation like this, I think is one that I don't think either of us 
will ever forget. And there is a lot of learning involved in this. Because I'll say this. Right now, as of where we're kind of ending up as a country, we have no idea what COVID is capable of. We have no idea. And once again, and I don't even have to see local news just to believe it, but I see it all the time. I see it all the time on media. I see it all the time on you know on some of these uh, headliners that COVID cases are still going up. But we knew that, right? We knew for the fact that there were going to be more tests involved. There were going to be more results. And this is something that is preparing us. Because I said this. The second we were in isolation for three months, maybe close to four, we knew we were going to come across tough challenges. And yes, since we're in the summertime, going into July soon, we're going to have to come back to this again in the fall. To where now we, we were already out in the summer. We've had our time. We cooled down. Now we're coming back in again because we're now trying to really pinpoint and figure out this COVID thing. We're really trying to pinpoint this. And which is why that I think that we'll come back to this in the fall and hoping that we have good news on it. But besides the case, I'm happy of the fact that sports is making a comeback. But I will guarantee you this. Not a whole lot of people are going to be talking about COVID when this is all over. Not a whole lot of people. I'm sure there are going to be some people who might dismiss it, but some people will talk more about, hey, we had sports during a pandemic. We had sports during COVID. These were trying times. These were, these were times that we never even thought of. We never came across. We weren't even prepared for it. And this is where I think that this is going to be <clears throat> I'm not going to say the word excited, but these are going to be a challenging time in life, in sports, in just anywhere that you are. It's a tough challenge. Think about it. I live here in Vegas. It's mandatory now that we have to wear masks in public in 115 degree weather. I mean, to me, that's exhausting. And I, there are a bunch of questions that I have. What about people who deal with asthma? What about people who deal with this and that and other developments? How are we going to cope with that? There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of challenges that we have to really take on, find ways to prevent it, and still follow the guidelines. Be smart. Be safe. Be courteous to one another. But in this whole return of sports, I mean, NASCAR, honestly, NASCAR has been the one sport that never stops because if you think about it, the drivers are all in the best position possible because they're all in the comfort of their vehicles and they're just, they're just driving away. You know, they're making it a hell of a race, whether it was the iRacing when we were all isolated or now they're back on the track physically. And there were limited fans that came out into the raceway. Limited. There are also a couple of sports that have gone on. Like, for instance, golf. I mean, golf is very much very open. There's not so much activity. Even though, yes, you do get fans. 
But, I mean, you think about it in your real life. Any of you that are golfers that watch the show, I mean, you go out to the some of these beautiful, gorgeous, knocked out golf courses. And you're just, like you're just out here on a Sunday morning, just playing a couple holes. You know, and you're just minding your own business. You're doing exactly what you're doing, especially through these times. But I'm happy that sports is making a comeback. I'm especially happy that baseball is. But it's going to be a tough challenge. But I think it's a challenge none of us will ever forget. None of us will ever, um, none of us will ever dismiss this. But I think the NBA and where they're kind of sitting at with this bubble in Orlando, I still think they probably should have played here in Vegas because I think who wouldn't want to? Who wouldn't want to? And the hotels, like you think about it, all these hotel companies that are here in the Vegas Valley, they'd kill to have. They'd kill to have clientels like that. Organizations who travel, who come here to Vegas, and they got it prepped up, sanitized, cleaned up, all these hotel rooms. They're they're all spotless clean. I mean, they're doing the part. But again, it was only just a matter of the decision. But I, I'm excited that sports is making that comeback. And hopefully we'll ha- we'll have some sort of pinpointed idea of how we can deal with this together. Coming up next, I'm going to be talking about, there are three teams. There are three teams, and I've been talking about this all week long. And I've also been hearing for at least a a couple of colleagues of mine and a couple of people that I've been watching and listening to uh, on the radio as well. Um, But there are three teams in the NFL that I think is a make it or break it season. And I'll break down all of those and why that I, I, I believe it's a make or break. Because, again, this is no excuses if we get the NFL back. This is no excuses this year. And then also, I'll be talking at least a little bit about Major League Baseball, what to expect, because I just think that there are this whole thing is setting up for a couple of teams. And I'll explain a little bit more about that coming up next here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Don't go anywhere.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, so glad to have you all here on a beautiful Sunday morning here. It's just been a fun, fun weekend. Um, really, really good to at least spend the time as much as I can with great, fa- great friends, great, fa- uh, you know, my family and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, it's been one of those chill, chill weekends, and I've really enjoyed it. So I've been talking about this before we got into the break. that there are three teams in the NFL right now that I know for a fact this is a make-it-or-break-it year for them. Three teams. All of them, all all three of these teams, they've got to make the playoffs at all costs and however they can. So the three teams that I have pinpointed are the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, and the Dallas Cowboys. There are a couple of other teams as well that I've even thought of who it's also a make it or break it. I still think it's Dallas's, you know, and, and Dallas is a make it or break it team for this uh, this year. Absolutely. There are a couple of teams there. I mean, the Chargers, I don't think they're in a make it or break it. I think in this point, this is a huge upgrade for them because the defense is very, very solid. Denver in one point, I not I I wouldn't say it's a make it or break it. I do believe they're a dark horse team to make the end of the the playoffs because their offense got better, defense kind of revamped, and it's not a team to sleep on. And the AFC West is stacked. But let me break down these three teams and why that I think it's a make it or break. I mean, first and foremost, we know about Cleveland. Okay, Cleveland last year. In Baker Mayfield's first full season, he had Freddie Kitchens as a head coach. They traded up for Odell Beckham. They got Nick Chubb, David Njoku. They got a lot of really good pieces, and they have Jarvis Landry. The thing about Cleveland is, is because Cleveland still has not made the playoffs in years. And there's their irrelevancies have gone on for years even before the organ like at one point when the organization was good when the organization did make playoff runs but in at this point now the irrelevancy has been super high but i think this year is going to change and the reason of that is because if you think of last year i mean they had a rookie head coach in freddie kitchens who i had no idea about I wasn't sure how he was going to handle this whole thing, but it turned out it didn't really go so well. And parts of Baker Mayfield's decisioning, I think some of them were reasonable and some of them I think were piss poor judgment, in my opinion. But it doesn't really kind of, you know, say much about Baker Mayfield. But at this point now, you got Austin Hooper, which I, I don't understand with the extra tight end, but I, I get it. You got another offensive playmaker, and Austin Hooper, who was one coming out of Atlanta, who was very impactful for you know Atlanta's offense, especially for Matt Ryan. You know, he's the high targeted tight end. Now you have him and David Njoku. You have Odell Beckham, which I'm not sure exactly how this is going to work out for him in Cleveland. I mean, the the first year that he ended up getting on, I was kind of shaky about it. 
I was not too sure about how Odell Beckham was going to end up producing in Cleveland. But I knew Jarvis Landry would be one that produces. It's another really good secondary receiver next to Odell. And Baker Mayfield's got plenty of weapons. He's also got plenty of running backs. He's got Kareem Hunt. He's got uh, Nick Chubb. And the offensive line is much, much better. They got Jedrick Wills. They got Their offensive line now can protect Baker Mayfield. So at this point, there's no excuses for Baker. None whatsoever. And they got themselves a head coach who knows how to put his foot down in certain situations as well. And one that I think is a grown-up, Kevin Stefanski. And if you think about it, Cleveland made a move that they went and got Case Keenum. Why? Kevin Stefanski, back in Minnesota, worked with Case Keenum, really liked him, thought he was a hard worker, and he produced. He produced when all the quarterbacks were injured. When Sam Bradford was injured, when Teddy Bridgewater was injured, Case Keenum came up and at this point in Minnesota and they went to the NFC Championship. So Kevin Stefanski knows how to put this whole thing together. And Case Keenum is right there behind Baker Mayfield if something was to go wrong, if something was to change. Because I'll guarantee you this, one more big-time mistake out of Baker Mayfield and they're done. They're done. They're, they're, they're going to let Baker Mayfield walk. They're going to come back and say it was the worst decision at number one, at the number one overall pick, and now we need another quarterback. And especially in what Cleveland and their core, how they're shaping it. I mean, their defense is really, really good. People don't like to admit it, but their defense is really good. I mean, Denzel Ward, Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, They've got some really good, impactful defensive players. And in an AFC North division, where it's filled with Baltimore, Baltimore's got no holes. Baltimore's got none. I mean, their defense and offense is very impactful. And then you've got Pittsburgh, who I look at their defense, and I never really shut them out. Never shut out their defense. And Cincinnati, we'll see how Joe Burrow produces. I hope that Joe Burrow... How, you know, his career works out in his favor because I still think that he's a really good college prospect that coming into the NFL, a lot of things change, <clears throat> but I hope that Joe, you know, Joe Burrow produces very, very well. I'm not saying he'll be a huge impact in his rookie season, but he'll be good to the extent that I think he can make it in this league amongst guys like Justin Herbert, Tua, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, lots of these young quarterbacks, I think he'll produce well. But in Cleveland's per perspective, this is why it's a make or break. Cleveland has been out of the playoffs for far too long. The expectations were high last year, and they fell down. They crumbled. This year, you have a grown-up in the head coach position who knows what he's doing, and is straightening this team out. That's why I think there's parts of Baker Mayfield that I think are going to come out for the better, not for the worse. Because I think what ended up happening was is once Freddie Kitchens was head coach, there really was no true leader in the locker room. 
everybody kind of did their own thing. It was one-man effort. <clears throat> but this time, having Kevin Stefanski, he'll straighten this team out. Baker Mayfield is going to come out a different quarterback. Probably one who may have a little better judgment of play calling. And I think is going to let is going to make this team produce. And Cleveland's got a break in their schedule this time. That this is where it's no excuses. I'd say Cleveland may go 10 and 6, or they may go 9 and 7. And this is one that Baker Mayfield needs to be on his game, needs to at least understand the playbook. The second team is the New York Jets. And I said this before, and I have a colleague of mine as well who covers up the New York Jets. And I've been talking with him <clears throat> about this for a while. I'm not saying there's one particular player is the reason why that it's a make it or break for the Jets. It's the entire team as a whole because the no excuse thing as well. They've got an offensive line. They have protection now for Sam Darnold. I mean, Makai Becton is built to be a lineman. He's got weapons now. He's got Denzel Mims. He's got uh, Brashad Perriman. And he's got Lavian Bell, who I think, in a healthy offensive line, <clears throat> Lavian Bell's numbers will produce. The defense, because we know that we've been hearing a lot of news about Jamal Adams. We have. But they're getting C.J. Mosley back healthy. There are a couple of real good defensive players that I really do like out of New York system. But at this point, <clears throat> it's make it or break it for them because the AFC East is wide open. Buffalo got tougher with their defense. They got a number one wide receiver now in Stefan Diggs. They also got Miami, where they ended up drafting Tua, who I think might start sooner than later. And they've got some good impactful players. I mean, Devontae Parker was a very good wide receiver last year. You got a veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think fits the system well for Miami. And their defense got stronger. Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones. There are a couple of really good, Xavier uh, Howard. There are lots of really, really good players that I think Miami has revamped themselves. And I think this AFC East being wide open <clears throat> is a really good opportunity for some of these teams. And I never brush away New England because I have no idea what is in store for Bill Belichick. But he does have his ways. But the Jets in this particular situation, I mean, Adam Gase, they don't make this thing right. Adam Gase is fired. And then they're going to have to look for another head coach who can make this roster right. They have the pieces. They have exactly the talents. They just got to find somebody that's going to make this click. And hopefully, I think the Jets are going to be a 9-7 and seven team and may push for the playoffs but might push for that second spot in the playoffs. And finally, the Dallas Cowboys. Lots and lots of uncertainties. The reason I say it's make it or break for them, I'm not talking about the offense. Okay, Dak Prescott got his money's worth, $31 million a year in the franchise tag, which I had predicted, honestly, was the best outcome for both Dak and the Cowboys. They got Zeke, they got CeeDee Lamb, they got Michael Gallup, they got Amari Cooper on the offensive side, and Blake Jarwin, who, by the way, 
I think he's a real good producing tight end. Not a lot of people really do say that about him, but I think he may come out as a real good producing tight end. He's not going to have a breakout year, but he'll have a good enough year. My concern with Dallas is that Travis Frederick retired. There's one hole in the offensive line you got to fill. You lost Robert Quinn, the sack leader. So that just means that the defensive front line has to be aggressive. Whether it's Demarcus Lawrence or Leighton Vanderish or Sean Lee, either one of them. <clears throat> the other issue is the secondaries. I'm not sure how good the secondaries will be because Byron Jones was probably the only impactful secondary Dallas had. Outside of it, I can't really name anybody else. So this is why that I think it's a make it or break it year for Dallas. It's a make it or break it year for the Browns. It's a make it or break it year for the Jets. And it's a make it or break it year for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. Because all of them, what they have in common is that there are no excuses. Everybody's gotten paid. Everybody's got offensive weapons. Lots of them got their defenses, at least some. But this is where they have to push to get to the playoffs. Otherwise, Cleveland don't make this thing work. Baker Mayfield's gone. New York doesn't make this work. Adam Gase is fired. Dallas doesn't make this work. There are more doubts about Dak Prescott. And that's the reason why that they had him sign a franchise tag. Because they're, they're uncertain of it. And you're playing Philadelphia twice a year with Carson Wentz. You've got Daniel Jones who can play twice a year. You're lucky enough you got a break from Washington because I have no idea what, da what uh, Dwayne Haskins is capable of. But that whole NFC conference as a whole, you got Tampa with Tom Brady. New Orleans revamped. Um, Arizona is going to be a fun team to watch. San Francisco is tough. And Seattle... I mean, it's always fun watching Russell Wilson, but even their defense is getting better. But this is why most of these teams, they got to make this thing happen. They got to make this thing work. And that's why, like, because a lot, a lot of these teams, I mentioned it before. I mean, there have been a lot of teams now that have really changed up their personnel. They've really kind of shaped up the way that, that you know, because they want to be competitive. This is why I'm like, outside of Detroit, outside of Jacksonville, outside of some of these rebuilding organizations, every team's got a chance. Every team has a chance of making the playoffs. That's what's the most exciting thing about this year's NFL. I would have never been this excited about the NFL season if I had actually looked at everyone's rosters, everyone's schedules, and just pinpoint and just say, oh, yeah. I got to look at every one of these schedules and a lot of them are exciting to watch because I think each of them are very evenly balanced. One may be a little bit tougher on one side than the other and vice versa. But at the same time, some teams are revamping, some teams are reshaping. And this is where I think it's going to be the most exciting part of, of uh, the most exciting part about this next season. Um. Which is why that I, I again I just <clears throat> again I, when I pinpoint teams like this, I look at their roster, 
I look at their schedules. Cleveland's got probably one of the most easiest schedules in the NFL. I mean, the Raiders would love to have a schedule like that. The Raiders would love to have a schedule that Cleveland has. And something that could at least keep them in competition. Because think about it. The Raiders are going to be coming across a bunch of teams that we know are tough. All of them that are in the AFC West. And some that, you know, you've got primetime games like the game against Tampa. Watching Tom Brady. And so many other really tough teams. But this is where it's going to be a tough challenge for the Raiders. But I already kind of have a feeling. I already have a, 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 a look and a thought about how the Raiders are going to pan out. But all these other teams, like the, these are kind of just the list of teams in my mind. I mean, you have the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos. Um, <clears throat> these, are all in the a- these are all in the AFC. You got the Bills. Parts of me, like I said, make it or break it for the Jets, hopefully. Miami, I don't think it's a make it or break, but it'll be interesting to see them in the playoffs. It would be very interesting to see the Dolphins in the playoffs. Other teams in the AFC, I mean, the AFC South, I mean, you got the Colts who revamped. They got their quarterback. They got very, very nice offensive weapons. That is something that Chris Ballard has been able to build in, in their organization. Then you've got... A Tennessee, which I have some question marks about. But Mike Vrabel is a very good defensive-minded coach, which is why I can't dismiss that. But it will be interesting to see how Tannehill deals with his contract extension year. And then you have, listen, I love Deshaun Watson. I really, really do. I think Deshaun Watson is a very impactful player in this organization for Houston. But... I mean, you're you're playing with wide receivers who I truly think they're on their last limbs until another injury goes down, and I don't think Deshaun Watson will have a receiver to throw to. You know, and then you've got the AFC North. Cleveland is much better. Baltimore doesn't look like they have any holes on offensive defense. And then you got Pittsburgh, who has a real good defense. But it's going to depend on how motivated that Big Ben really is. Because, again, I don't see Pittsburgh being as very impactful. I really, really don't. Because if anything that I've learned from last year, after Big Ben went down, Mike Tomlin can coach. Mike Tomlin can coach. And there have been times where I've had my thoughts about Mike Tomlin. There have been. But after watching last season, like, he figured this whole thing out. He took a lot of these these players. Now, the quarterback position is, as I've said, because outside of Big Ben, Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, not very impactful backup quarterbacks. If you think about it, all these teams that have real good backup quarterbacks. You got Philadelphia, you got Dallas, you got the Chargers, you've got um in some parts Kansas City. I mean, Matt Moore was very, very well, very, very good under Andy Reid's system. And there are a bunch of other teams that have good quarter good backup quarterbacks as well. Because you gotta have that. But I think Pittsburgh may lack at that if there's one thing that's 
makes this team done. But those are teams in the AFC. In the NFC, Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona. Parts of me wants to say, you know, the LA Rams only because of Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Because I can't dismiss that. These are two very impactful guys in this organization that make this work. McVay puts out the, the playbook, and Jared Goff is out there executing it. And he still has weapons. I mean, he still has Robert Woods, and he's got uh, Cooper Cup. So he's got something. The only difference is that run game. That's the only thing that hits the LA Rams. The other teams that I can also mention, I mean, you've got Tampa Bay, you've got New Orleans, you've got Carolina, you've got um, Minnesota, you've got Chicago revamping their defense. Parts of me, like I said, I talked about this earlier in the show about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron, if he gets back to the way that he was before and be a little bit risky, maybe things might pan out for the Green Bay Packers next year. The NFC, um, the NFC East, Philadelphia. Parts of me wants to say the Dallas Cowboys. And don't dismiss the New York Giants. They've got some wide receivers. The difference is, is hopefully Joe Judge can coach. Hopefully he can. But the defense has to be reshaped. The offense I know has receivers, and they've got Saquon Barkley, best running back in the league. And there's a lot of competition here. There's an awful lot of competition here. Outside of all the teams, Jacksonville, Detroit, Washington, um, you know, a, a lot of these rebuilding organizations outside of them, this is an open, even platform for everyone. That's why I think it's going to be exciting to watch, and I cannot wait for it. Hour two coming up next here up on the show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Snake Sports Talk Show.
right, ladies and gentlemen, hour two here on the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching and listening. We are live in Las Vegas. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe and hit the bell button to the home of the Snake Sports Talk Show. That is the Spotlight Sports Network, the Snake Sports Talk Show as well. And also follow me on Spotify for all of my latest podcast episodes. Can't wait to um, to get back into podcasting again. I know it's been such a long delay for a long time. I mean, it had been since April. It had been since April. And I told people this when it came to the podcasting and stuff like that. I mean... <clears throat> There were just some things that just happened. I mean, number one, COVID did happen. And I remember uh, talking about that in my podcast show at one point. And I even talked about that in the live stream. Because I turn around and I just like kind of look at this whole thing. And it, it was a lot. It was an awful lot. And if there's anything that I can learn, and especially, and this is where I'll kind of take the time from here before I move on to the next segment. But if there's anything that I've learned throughout this whole process and throughout COVID and being in isolation for three, four months, um, this has been probably one of the most challenging and yet most difficult times I think either one of us as a nation have gone through. There were so many different things that we'd seen. And we know it's going to be it's going to be such a touchy subject about 2020. I know everybody who is all saying, put the asterisk on 2020. Just, 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 just don't even, don't even mention it. Just, 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 just disregard it. There are going to be a lot of people who are probably going to end up doing that because for those that do, I mean, you have to think about it. So many things have come, you know, have come and gone throughout this time. <clears throat> Lots of things are put to a halt. I'll tell you this, I had such a great time yesterday with great friends, family members. I, this was the, this was what we lived for. It was what we lived for. It was my mother's 50th birthday. I would never miss it for the world because that's just how family oriented that I was raised around. The other thing is too, when you have great people on your side, in your corner. It's the most important thing that you can have in your life. It's what keeps you stable. It's also what makes you feel like you. Because without that, nobody, not a lot of people could cope with that all throughout this time. I had people that, you know, I had some friends that came into town who... I hadn't seen in a long time. I hadn't seen in months. Moved out of state. New chapter in their lives. And, and I was happy for them. I was very, very happy for them. But in this sense, we all kind of needed that closure. We all needed that time to really self-examine, really kind of see ourselves. What are some things that we are struggling with? What are some things that we do do good that maybe could be a positive influence for us throughout this time. Because like I, I've told a lot of people about this. I even told my colleagues about this. 
you know, and being a part of this great network, I mean, we have great colleagues here, very, very smart. They're very thorough and they're they, like, they're, they're, they're smart people. And these are very, very innovative people. And ones that I hope throughout all of this, you know, like there's a great longevity to this network. There really, really is. And I'm very excited about it. I've been very excited about it since day one in the announcement of being a part of this this network. I mean, I have been doing I've been doing this now for months. And it all started by a small page a year ago. A small page that I started, yes, in social media, and then it worked its way to where now I have my own place. Now I actually have my own office. And then things are starting to expand, but it is taking a lot of the time because of the fact that there are lots of restrictions. There are lots of different um, regulations that we all have to follow. But that is one that I always encourage people is just be courteous. Um, keep each other safe. You know, Look out for each other. And we'll make it through this. We'll make it all through this time. I know it's unfortunate, and I know that it seems like because cases are coming up every single day does not mean we have to live in the fear. It doesn't mean that we have to live in that mindset. So that's why like being a positive influence throughout this whole this whole thing, I believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel when we see it. It's only about a matter of time. But... <clears throat> But I hope that each and every one of you are doing exactly the right thing that you can, not just only for yourselves, but even for others. Because there are some people who cope with it very, very differently. I've had my fair shares with a lot of people, you know, and there were some that it revealed to me of people I know that are in my corner. And then the people, you know, nice people, not going to deny it. But it's not the same kind of connection as it would be with the people in my corner, you know. And so, the, you know, and, and this is this is just part of the the maturity and growth. That's why even you see it for some of these players that are developing in sports, because a lot of them it does take time until they're fully prepared, they're developed, and they're ready to go. In life, there are a lot of adjustments. And there are a lot of curveballs that get thrown at us. But if we're not prepared for when it does come, then that's the part that hits us hard. It hits us even harder than we anticipate. That's why you got to, you know, for me, especially being a part of this network and, you know, starting this up, I always want to keep the show as an even balanced platform. It's a platform where everybody has opinions about something, but at least we come together and we vent out those opinions. I had, you know, previous hour, I had my opinions about the three teams that I know that are making or break it, the Browns, the Jets, and the Cowboys, because there's a reason behind it. There was even an opinion about Aaron Rodgers, how I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers right now, because I think if Green Bay actually had surrounded a little bit more talent. I don't want to get I don't want to get mixed in with that, but if they surrounded Aaron Rodgers with at least a little bit more talent whether it's both offensive or defensively, Green Bay would have more Super Bowls for Aaron Rodgers. 
And it wouldn't just be, oh, Aaron, hey, um, do me a favor. Can you actually pick us up in this game? That's the one thing that I hope for some of these young quarterbacks that in those organizations, the organizations are doing this right. That's why I said Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be a rocky start, but I'm hoping he has a great career in Cincinnati because we know Cincinnati. I don't know if Zach Taylor can coach. I mean, I've got an organization with no owner. And who's really putting their foot down? There are lots of you know lots of things that come up in life, but that is where we all kind of have to be prepared for it. And like I said, there are opinions every day, and that's why that we sit here and we talk about all these opinions on a weekend basis because it's just that's always been the fun thing for me to do, just talking about sports. So, um, you know. Because all these cases are just coming up left and right. As I've said before, I mean, the NBA, they had 16. 16 people out of the 302 that tested positive for COVID. That was in the first testing wave so far. So, again, I've said this before. I think the NBA is going to have a challenge with this. Because... It's a conditioning sport. You're running back and forth on the court. And plus, you're man-to-man guarding. You know, you're up close, not really six feet. (laughs) You you know, and and you're trying to make those deals. I mean, think about it. You look at how Kawhi Leonard and how, you know, the claw, how how he plays defense. Plays him up front and just wants to swat the ball away from you. One mistake, and Kawhi will see that. LeBron, he goes up for every single play, especially defensive plays that just takes the ball out of your hands. So there are some challenges in basketball, but at the same time, I look at these tests and I'm just like, okay, only 16? All right, we have that out of the 302. I'd say that's progress. Because, yes, there are going to be constant tests. This is only the first wave. So give it at least a little bit of time. I'm sure the NBA will figure this thing out. Because we've seen the schedules. I'm going to break it down as well and kind of look at all these schedules coming up. And I'll be breaking that down coming up next. Um, but, I again, I think this is going to be interesting. I think this is going to be interesting. And I can't wait to end up sharing more about that uh, when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. Snake Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back in just a moment.
Welcome back, everybody, here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Uh, if you're just now tuning in, glad to have you all back. Um, so I kind of took a look at this NBA schedule. And I know that we're having this bubble in Orlando. Um, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. So there are a bunch of them. And the two that we know, because this will be starting on July 30th, is when we'll have the NBA's first games back from this pandemic. And the two that I'm looking at are the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. But of course, the one that I look at that I think that is pretty obvious are the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers. And I just, I look at these, these games and I think they're going to be very, very fun to watch. Very interesting. Um, but of course, you know, it's funny that they push, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers because generated revenue. And if you think about it, the Clippers have had the Lakers numbers all throughout the season. I mean, Kawhi, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. Now they've got Marcus Morris, Montrezl Harrell. I mean, Clippers are stacked from top to bottom. And this was this is what's going to be tough competition, at least in the in the Western Conference. And the fact that again, you have 13 teams in the West because the West is so outfavored. And then you have nine in the East. I still believe it should have been a balanced 11 and 11 for playoff bracket, you know, for bracketeering. But I just think that this game with the Clippers and the Lakers, I think this is going to be the most fun to watch because of the fact of, think about the generated revenue it's already built up by this year. I mean, it was the most watched game all of us, you know, all of us tuned in throughout this whole season. And it was fun to watch Kawhi. It was fun to watch LeBron, Anthony Davis, Lou Williams, so many impactful players. But this is one that I think is going to be interesting for the Lakers because, number one, they are losing Avery Bradley. Um, he's not returning for his own reasons. Um, and I respect him for that, you know, and, and I think it's the right decision for Avery Bradley. And, you got to take care of exactly what's happening personally. I totally get it, and I understand it. But if you think about it, the Lakers do have a lot of utility on their Not a whole lot, but they've got some utility on their side. I mean, KCP could come in at the position at point guard. Um, Rondo, I just, I, I just kind of think of, you know, yes, he has veteran leadership and experience, but at the same time, as far as impactful up on the court, there really wasn't much that I'd seen out of Rajon Rondo. Now, there also had been sources about the Lakers possibly recruiting J.R. Smith to finishing up the season, but that'll depend on it for the next couple of days. Um, but I just, I look at this with the Lakers, and this is the part that, again, everybody wants to see the Lakers in the Western Conference Championship, maybe even in the finals. Because of everything that the Lakers had gone through, they had been out of the playoffs in six years. And then you followed the death of Kobe. There was just so much that the Lakers had to go through as an organization. And a lot of people now turn to LeBron as being the impactful uh, player throughout the situation and throughout this whole moment. But again, I, I love this matchup between the Clippers and the Lakers. 
I still think this is a this would be a matchup that would be done in the Western Conference final and something that would go all the way to game seven. Because but I do believe that because of how the Clippers have themselves stacked on their roster from top to bottom, this is what's benefiting the Clippers. Clippers have lot plenty of rest. Kawhi has had plenty of rest. Paul George has had plenty of rest. Lots of these players have had plenty of rest. And they have role players in every position. Big-time role players. Patrick Beverly has a, has a tendency to get under your skin. So does Marcus Morris, um, Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams, but he's also impactful in putting in important shots. The other thing, too, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, we know, is probably one of the best mid-range jumpers in the league. But that is the part that I think the Lakers are going to have a difficult time with. But I think it's going to be a grinder type of series. And that is something that looking into the NBA and how that we're going to end up dealing with this is one that I think is going to be a tough challenge, but it'll be a challenge worth watching and can't wait for that. Um, I think it's going to be great. I think it'll be interesting and we'll see. There's a lot of, there's a lot of challenges that the NBA is going to go through and I can't wait to see it time now for the hot press. So, uh, here was one that I thought was a big time story. So, um, the, the branding company Under Armour, who produces all of their athletic gears, their shoes, socks, all and etc., all sorts of stuff. Um, Under Armour is attempting to break its 15-year, 280 million dollar contract deal with UCLA, and UCLA, um, it's been making some big time. They that they've they made a big time difficult decision. We know with Nike, I mean, Nike's been producing throughout this whole time, but it's kind of it's been difficult now for Under Armour and especially for uh, UCLA. So this is what was said. Under Armour has recently made the difficult decision to discontinue our partnership with UCLA as we have been paying for marketing benefits that we have not received for an extended uh, time period. The agreement allows us to terminate in such an event and we are exercising that right. So, and again, you have to think about this. I mean, COVID after it hit, I mean, a lot of these different merchandises and a lot of these different brands, of course, they were going to end up taking some hits. And this is one of those things that, again, it's tough. It's very, very tough. A lot of people have had, a lot of companies, Fortune 500 companies who have had to make tough decisions all throughout this time. And this is also what they're finishing up here. UCLA Athletics learned this week that Under Armour is attempting to terminate its 15-year apparel and footwear contract with us and the Bruin community. This is all from UCLA. This is from the university. We are exploring all our options to resist Under Armour's actions. We remain committed to providing our hardworking staff and student athletes with the footwear, apparel, and equipment needed to train and compete at the highest level as they and our loyal Bruin fans uh, deserve. So this is going to be a, a quite the, the the difficult challenge here for the UCLA Bruins. I mean, Under Armour has been a part of their, they've been a part of their athletics now for years, and that's going to be a tough loss. That's going to be a tough loss from there. Um, 
but I'm sure that they will get they they will get this right. I know right now because with college athletics, I mean, you had UCLA; they didn't even have any college college hoops going on, and we're not even sure when it comes to the college football season. But I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very very interesting. Um, so here's what's an interesting news. Um, the LA Dodgers outfielder Andrew Tolls was in jail earlier this week and was charged with trespassing of property. Uh, the 28-year-old was detained this week at the airport in Key West, Florida uh, by a Monroe County Sheriff deputy. Um, they said he was found sleeping behind a Federal Express building at the airport and refused to move. So uh, this is interesting. Uh, about Andrew Tolles because we haven't even heard or seen anything from him from the Dodgers at all. And so uh, hearing about this sleeping behind a building, I'm like looking at this like, why? Why in you know in a, in a building that you know you trespassed and stuff like that? It, it doesn't make any sense. Now, we don't know the whole story, and I don't want to end up getting too much into it. Um, but th th this is this is interesting. This is very, you know, very, very interesting, very interesting type of uh, news um, that came out. But, um, but again, you know, stuff happens. It's it's life. I mean, you know, lots of things that just ends up happening like that. Um, <clears throat> but again, you know, they they set the bailout for him, and hopefully now he'll be he'll learn it, and hopefully he'll be back in training camp soon for uh, baseball's return back. Um, so they mentioned about this, uh, the NHL, the number one pick in the NHL's draft lottery is going to be decided by second drawing. So we know that the Kings got the number two, the senators got number three, Detroit got number four and the senators got number five. So those five picks from there. So the number one overall pick and how they're dealing with all of this is that the number one pick is going to be to the team that gets eliminated in the qualifying round. And that could be anybody. So there's 16 teams that are playing the best of five qualifiers. And these are the teams. Arizona, Calgary, Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Edmonton, Florida, Minnesota, Montreal, uh, the Islanders, the Rangers, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. They all have opportunities of grabbing the first round pick, the number one overall pick. Now I've said this because I ended up uh, putting, you know, putting up my predictions for the Stanley cup playoffs. If we do get into that uh, very shortly and there were a bunch of teams, I've said that Chicago, I think has an opportunity to upset, you know, Edmonton. I think they have an, an opportunity to upset Edmonton in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be one massive curveball for them. But if you think about it with the first round pick like that, because the big top prospect that they're talking about is Alexis Lafreniere, one of the big time wingers, um, prospect, uh, you know, projected to go number one. You know, he's a big time impactful offensive player, and I think it's going to be interesting to see all of that. But this is one that I've never seen before with the lottery draft that it only determined, and that's why we're learning all of this a lot that it only be determined by the team that gets eliminated first in the qualifying rounds. So, um, it, again, they, the, it's a 2.5% chance to be designated at the number one pick. So it's anybody's game at this point. And we're not sure how they're going to end up panning this out because think about it. I mean, you look at some of these teams 
And again, I think that there are teams that do deserve the number one picks. I still think, you know, Edmonton needs to revamp their organization. They're not there yet. Um, Nashville's going to get to a point. They need to end up revamping the organization. Parts of me will say Winnipeg, Vancouver, I think is another one as well. Toronto at some point, because they went forwards deep this year. They paid a lot of their forwards. William Nylander, Mitch Marner, um, Austin Matthews. And last year you had John Tavares. So they went forwards deep all throughout the two years. And we're not sure how that's going to pan out for them coming into the playoffs. But other teams as well, I, th I think Columbus would make sense because think about it. They lost a lot of their forwards after last after last season. And they but they were a Cinderella story. They they were they upset the best team in the NHL in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think they would be most deserving of number one. Other teams also, I mean, the Arizona Coyotes, they got to figure out their their personnel. They're close, but they're not they're not there yet. Um, even parts of me thinks Calgary. You know, Calgary needs offensive firepower. They've been they have been so flat with their offense this year that it's it's been quite the question for the Calgary Flames. Uh, but that, but this is, I think, is going to be interesting. Something I've never seen before, and I'm not sure how this is going to pan out. But if you think about it, a lot of people are just like, "Oh, please, dear Lord, don't be Pittsburgh. Don't let it be Pittsburgh. Don't let it be Carolina. Don't let it be some of these other, you know, big time teams who we know that they already have the uh, the personnel." But <laughs> this is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So that was your hot press. Coming up next, I'm going to be breaking down a little bit more on um, potentials for baseball because now having baseball back, there are a couple of teams that I have up on my list, and I'm going to redo this, not entirely, but I'm going to end up saying some of the teams that I think are going to be impactful with this whole thing, with this whole you know coronavirus going around and getting baseball back and now having a 60-game season and which teams are going to benefit from it because, like I said, it's 40 games in division. Uh, 20 games that are out of the division, so you don't want to end up missing that here on the Snake Sports Talk Show.
So first and foremost, I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in throughout this whole weekend. I really, really do appreciate each and every single one of you here. Um, it's been such a fun weekend show. And like I said, I mean, there were, uh, I'm just very glad that sports is coming back. You know, sports is coming back in so many various ways. And um, it's exciting. You know, it's it's it's. I again, I'm happy with the fact that it's back. I'm not thrilled only because, you know, it could have ended up very, very differently. But of course, you know, certain things in life just happen. And so, but at least the good thing of it is sports is coming back. So, um, I hope that all of you guys have a really, really good weekend. Be safe, be courteous to each other. And hopefully we'll get through this soon. So my best for last year on this, and because baseball's finally making a comeback. Um, and by the way, we now have 60 games, universal DH, and <clears throat> all the games, 40 in-division games. So all of them are going to be played in division, and 20 of them, they'll mix in a little bit of some interleague play, and then they'll even mix in some that I think are quote-unquote top headliners. Um you know, for the baseball season. So it's going to be very interesting, but because of this pandemic and because of everything that's happened and now it's being a shortened season with 60, because honestly, if you think about it, 60 games goes by quick, 60 games goes by very, very fast. And it's much, much faster than before you know it. And so, um, so the one thing that I looked at, and I know I had my top 10 at one point, this was a while back before the season was even about to start. Um, there were a lot of teams that I looked at that I think have big time potentials. And I think, honestly, now there are, I mean, there are going to be lots and lots of changes, even with this COVID. There are going to be, uh, some that I think is there are some I honestly believe that like because there are there's a lot of changes. There are a lot of changes all throughout this year. Um but I really, really do think um I really do think this is gonna be very, very exciting. Um but I'm gonna get into a couple of teams that I believe personally are going to be very, very impactful. Can't wait for it. Um, this is going to be fun. So here we go. So we're looking at a couple of teams here um, in the AL. So I'll start in the AL before I work my way into the NL. So 60 games, it goes by very, very quick. And there are a couple of teams in my mind that I think could very, very much benefit from this. So in the American League, number one, I do believe that the New York Yankees are very much going to benefit from this 60-game series because of the fact that they were dealing with injury plagues all through last season. Pitchers were hurt. Players were hurt. And it was just like a never-ending injury carousel for the New York Yankees. But I think now because of this um, pandemic and now being shortened to 60 games, this is actually pushing. And I think this is going to be a favor for the Yankees to make it to the World Series this year. Even with a shortened season like this, not a lot of people are going to be too thrilled, but again, <clears throat> it is what it's going to be. They signed Garrett Cole for nine years, so they have him for a longevity contract. And if you think about it, they got some real good defensive players. Gio Urshela, um, Giancarlo Stanton's going to be coming back. Aaron Judge is coming back. 
Glaber Torres, I think, is going to, you know, he's a young kid that's very impactful. I think he's going to have himself a hell of a season um, <clears throat> for at least the shortened time. But I think this will be interesting. Um, another team that I think is going to be very impactful, one I do believe, the Oakland A's. I think that the Oakland A's, they're a young core group that they're constantly revamping and reloading every time. It's the money ball effect. That's just how Billy Bean plays this thing. So the pitching staff, if we've learned anything, the, the relief pitching staff had a low ERA last year. It was second in the league. And yes, it was unfortunate because they had to play the make it or break it game, the wild card game. And that is something that the Oakland A's have not had much success in. But I do believe in a shortened season. Now, there is some competition in the AL West because you have the Astros, the Angels, the Mariners, and the Rangers. The Mariners, I don't see being very, very competitive. Rangers, somewhat here and there. But I think also at the same time, you also have the Angels who are trying to get back into the uh, the playoffs because they've only been in the playoffs once. And the A's got some offense. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Steven Piscotty, uh, Ramon Laureano. I'm also very excited to see Jorge Mateo be very, very impactful for this Oakland team at second base because I've, I've watched a couple of games out here in Vegas, and this kid is the real deal. This is a kid that they they picked up out of the Sonny Gray trade along with him and, um, and Dustin Fowler. I think Jorge Mateo is going to be a big-time impact for this young organization I mean, this this is real good potential for the Oakland A's. And I think, and I don't want to think too highly, but this is a team that I could really see moving forward being competitive. Not a lot of people could say that. Not a lot of people are very invested in that, but I do think the Oakland A's will benefit from this. Another team that I think could benefit is the Chicago White Sox. I've had them at number 10 um, in my top 10 countdowns. And... My thing with the Chicago White Sox is they're also getting younger. They've got some real good pitchers. Lucas Giolito, uh, Ronaldo Lopez. You got Michael Kopech, who's going to be ready to come out into the bullpen or into the starting rotation. He's going to be another impactful arm with this pitching staff. And this is going to be very interesting for years to come with the White Sox. But they do have Tim Anderson, I think, is a he's very... Not like a hyper-athletic, but he's definitely the type that sparks this team. Um, very athletic. you got Jose Abreu still. And then you got Eloy Jimenez, which I do think he's a big-time powerhouse. He's a big-time powerhouse hitter. Uh, they got Yasmani Grandal out of free agency. So a lot of things are changing up. And honestly, I love to see what Yohan Makata will do this next season because this kid has a lot of potential, even coming out of Boston system. Um, Mankata, personally, I think he's the real deal. He's very much the real deal. And so I would not sleep on the Chicago White Sox this year. I think they've got some real good potentials to being a good team that can make an impact, makes a positive influence for their organization and especially in uh, uh, an AL Central division that outside of Minnesota, Cleveland's revamping, Kansas City's revamping, and Detroit, they're also reshaping themselves also. But I, I, I've said this. I think it's going to be the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins that are very much going to be very competitive. Another team that I think is going to be 
a big impact in the American League. Um, now, not a lot of people do say an awful lot about this team, but I think parts of me believes that we might actually see the Angels in the postseason. I think we might see the Angels in the postseason. Now, I was not, I was not excited for it. But because of it being a shorter season, it's 60 games, I think we'll finally get the Angels in there. The Angels will be one team that will finally make the postseason. And yes, it is a short shortened season. But this is where this is this is juice for Mike Trout. This is motivation for Mike Trout. And they got Anthony Rendon. They got a bunch of real good bats, which to me personally, they, they've had some real good offenses anyway. But it's been the pitching staff that's really bothered me. I mean, the five, five, six ERA from last year, I'm not fond of that. I, I still will not settle for that. But in a shortened season, you would hope that the Angels make some improvements because now this is their break. This is the Angels' break because they had not had a break since 2014. And since then, one playoff appearance for Mike Trout, and they got swept by the Kansas City Royals. I don't think that that's, that's not enough. That's something where the Angels really have to thoroughly look at this. Uh, another team, finally, and I think that will benefit from this, I think is going to be the Houston Astros. Now, I know a lot of people are not fond about the Astros because of the cheating scandal and so on and so, so forth. But if you think about it, lots of people got fired. The general manager, the manager, and now Dusty Baker's in the middle of this thing. It, it ain't like Dusty hasn't dealt with anything, you know, crazy. But he, I, he's capable of this job. Now, the other thing of it is, too, I mean, they still got good pitchers. They still got a really good lineup that you just can't pitch around. So I know a lot of people are going to be making their comments about the Houston Astros, whatever. But they're still a team that I think can benefit even throughout this whole uh, shortened 60-game season. Um, so now let's kind of move our attention to the National League, who I think are some teams that may benefit from here. Um, I do believe that the Philadelphia Phillies might actually make the playoffs this year. Now, in a shortened season, I like Aaron Nola, and I also do like Jake Arrieta. There are a couple of guys that I do like of the rotation, but I still believe that there are some things that this rotation needs. It needs a, a little bit of a good, quick adjustment. But if you think about it, the offense with Bryce Harper, JT Rayomuto, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon is coming back from injury. So the Phillies will be in a position where they're kind of right there at the right spot at the right time. But remember, you are dealing with an NL East where you've got the Braves, they're really, really good. <laughs> They're really, really good. Um, the Mets and the Washington Nationals, the defending champions. So there is a lot of competition involved for the Philadelphia Phillies. But I think in a shortened season like this, we'll get their offense going. And with the universal DH, this, th this is the one thing about the National League is because for years they've always had pitchers hit. But now with the universal DH, you could either have a pitcher hit or you could have an extra batter. This is now where – this is extra firepower for every team in the National League. If you think about it, there are a couple of teams that I think will benefit it, and I will get through all of that in a second. Um, the Atlanta Braves, I know, are going to end up benefiting from this. The Atlanta Braves, they got some young pitching arms. 
they're, they're I, I think part of it they're 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 um I mean their relief pen needed a needed some work they needed some work done but they're not they're not really that far away if you think about it the Atlanta Braves are they're such a very competitive team. They got a really, really good roster, especially guys like Ronald Acuna. So, this this is why I just like I cannot dismiss the Atlanta Braves here in this one. The New York Mets are another one because I think the pitching staff is going to get better. They got a very, very good lineup. Pete Alonso, we've seen, had hit fifty three home runs. I mean, the kid's the real deal. And the Mets, their offenses are getting better. They got Robinson Cano, and I think he's going to have at least a little bit of a better bounce-back season, even with the short season, but I think the Mets will very much benefit. And finally, the Washington Nationals. I mean, this is a team that still has really, really good pitchers, so don't deny it. And they've got some good small ball hitters, and that was what led them to the championship last year. That's what led them to the World Series championship. So that's one team I would not even sleep on. So Phillies, Nationals, Mets, and the Braves, look – Ain't even gonna go into the Marlins. Their whole situation—they're—they're—they're they're, they're pretty much revamping. Other teams, I think that would benefit. I think the Chicago Cubs would be because of the universal DH. I mean, if you think about it, Kyle Schwarber will have a place now where he can just hit. He feels comfortable in it because that's the whole point of having Schwarber in this lineup was because of the bat. You couldn't put him at catcher after the ACL and MCL injury that he suffered years ago. Wilson Contreras now playing catcher. So they've got some utility, and everybody can end up using that DH spot for the good of their team. And that's one that I think is extra firepower for the Cubs. Now, the pitching staff is going to be a question because they did let some pitchers go, but they still do have some real good arms in their rotation. And that's something that the Cubs need to overcome and need to get themselves in contention if they want to make it into the uh, the postseason. Uh, another team that I think is going to be good is the Cincinnati Reds, surprisingly. Their offense has been really, really good. they got some real good pitchers. Sonny Gray, um, we're hoping that Hunter Green would make his appearance soon in the major leagues. But I think Cincinnati's gotten themselves to a point where they got Mike Moustakis. they got at least a lot of real good, um, impactful bats in the lineup that's very much going to bring Cincinnati back up onto the map as being a, a potential postseason team. Potentially. Um, another team, the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich will be healthy. There are some concerns about the pitching staff as far as their starting rotation goes, but I do love their bullpen. I love uh, Josh Hader coming in and closing out. Uh, but the Milwaukee, they got some interesting stuff. I can't wait to see exactly what the season holds for them, but I think Milwaukee will be in a position where it's going to be tough competition all the way around in the Central Division. I mean, the Cubs are happy having a universal DH. You've got the Cincinnati Reds that have a real good lineup, and Milwaukee, everybody's just getting healthy. Everybody's getting healthy. Everybody's getting ready, and we'll see. We'll see how the postseason shapes up, but I do believe that Milwaukee will be prepared Another team, St. Louis Cardinals. We'll see how it goes, but I do love Jack Flaherty. I think the kid has a lot of potential in the in the rotation, and that's something that St. Louis has been working solely on is that starting rotation. I mean, they got Yadier Molina, the best play caller behind the plate, and 
having guys like Jack Flaherty and a lot of really good young arms is something that St. Louis needed to revamp. They needed to move forward from all of the older veterans that they had at one point. But their offense with Paul Goldschmidt, now it's going to be hard because Marcelo Zuna is no longer there in St. Louis. So they And they got Matt Carpenter still. So there are some pretty good bats that I really do like. Harrison Bader, uh, Paul DeYoung. So there are some good young kids out there. So St. Louis, St. Louis is going to be very interesting. Do I think they'll be very impactful? I think it's going to be a little bit tough from there. And finally, the NL West. Uh, we know the Dodgers are going to be very impactful because they got some young core kids and both the lineup and in the starting rotation. But they got to get this bullpen thing right. I mean, the bullpen has been the struggle for years. Now, they got the rotation, but they still, Kenley Jansen is meant for the ninth. He's not meant for any other position in the relief pen. That's where they got to get guys that are solid in the seventh, solid in the eighth. And But their rotation, but their, their lineup, you can't pitch around that. Cody Bellinger, Gavin Lux, Mookie Betts now leading off. I mean, this this whole team is stacked. And if you think about it, I made my World Series prediction. I think all of us, I think all of us as baseball fans, we're getting what we wanted. We're getting a Yankees Dodgers World Series. That's the way that I see it. You'd be very lucky enough if you end up getting in Atlanta or you would get the A's or you would get other teams that would go into the World Series in a short series like this. But I think all of this is shaping up for the Yankees and Dodgers to finally be in the World Series because the Yankees. They got a break from this pandemic. Everybody's coming back healthy. That's the rotation. That's the lineup. And that's everybody. And the Dodgers are in the same position. They're healthy. They're ready to go. So there are going to be a couple of real good teams that will be, impact. be impacted. Um, but as far as for the NL West, I mean, Arizona still has some pieces they need to fix in the rotation. The Colorado Rockies, big-time rotation issues. I mean, they've got some real good guys in the lineup, but after hearing about Charlie Blackman getting COVID, that I think was a huge, huge knock for them. But the other thing is you got the San Diego Padres. I like what they're doing. I don't love it. I like what they're doing. They are getting their rotation better. But this is where they have to keep making those steps and those strides to even potentially be a postseason contending team. But I think in the Giants' position as well, this is not a team that I would, you know, sleep on. But I just think that the Giants, they may be middle of the pack, but I don't think that they'll be too impactful. So this is what I think. The Dodgers, the Brewers, Reds, Cubs, Nationals, Phillies, Mets, Braves in the National League and in the American League. I think the Oakland A's, parts of me will say the Angels and the Astros. You got the Twins. The Chicago White Sox, um, the Yankees, maybe Boston, um, and parts of me, surprisingly, will say the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, Tampa's got a really, really good pitching staff, so don't, don't kid yourselves. I mean, this is going to be very, very interesting, but in a short season like this, these are the teams that I do think are going to be very impactful in a short season because all of them are getting a break. All of them are going to be back healthy. And I think this will be the best competition that we've ever seen in years. So there you have all of the impactful teams here for Major League Baseball. I just can't wait for it to start. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, again, in a shortened season, 
Not sure how it's going to pan out, but I I just truly think that this is going to be interesting, something that we'll all never forget. But that's going to conclude it here for me in the Snake Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate all of you guys tuning in here. Have a great weekend. We will see you next Saturday and Sunday at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern time. Have a great weekend. Jake the Snake signing off.